0: Well, good morning, everyone. Glad that you're here. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Some of you today I haven't seen in a while. Welcome back. Some of you changed. Some of you grew beards, Steve. You're looking good, dude. Welcome back. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're with us this morning. Pray God's blessings on you through the worship that we've already had and through God's word. I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back in front of you, probably below. There might be one there. We'll put the verses on the screen, but I'd love for you to follow along, if you could, uh, in 1 Corinthians 1. Helen Collins' family celebrated a lot of their parties by doing karaoke. And so one specific party time, she was there, and her 90-year-old grandmother was there. And so she went to her grandmother and said, Hey, what song do you want to hear? Her grandmother says, I would like to hear Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. So Helen got a couple of her friends, and they went and sang Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. And she came to her grandmother afterwards and said, Grandma, we we sang that because we love you. (laughs) To which the grandmother replied, Yes, and I listened because I love you. Happy Mother's Day, moms. We're doing the best we can. Sometimes it's bearable, and sometimes it's, 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 you're enduring well. And we want to thank you. And being a mother is difficult. It is a challenging uh, time. As a matter of fact, I say frequently, I, I don't know of any time in our life, by my experience and my observation, where I would say a tougher stage of life than being a mom of a preschool child. So if you're hearing your mother of preschool, teenage kids, they have their challenges too, bigger consequences, but uh, it's tough. It's a 24 hour a day job being the mom of a preschooler. And I know a lot of times moms are saying, am I doing a good job? I feel like a failure. I don't know how this is going. I can't tell if I'm winning or losing. And this morning, I just want to encourage you uh, from God's word uh, about what God says about us moving through difficult times and trials and challenges and failures, because you will fail at times. And what should we do? Just a couple of things, uh, statistics from Mother's Day. If you're a mom here today, you're one of two billion. So you are special. Uh, you are one of two billion in the world. Um, one out of every four mothers in the U.S. are raising children on their own. You might've thought it was higher, it's really, to me that's amazing though. 86% of single parent families in the U.S. are led by mothers, are led by moms. Um, 40% of single moms in the U.S. hold low wage jobs lacking paid leave. So if you start adding these numbers together, you're, you're seeing that there are a lot of mothers and single mothers who are struggling in just, in in almost every way. One in every three single moms spends more than 50% of her income on housing. One third of the American workforce is made up of working mothers of children under the age of 18. Add all that together and eight in 10 adult women say they face a lot of pressure to be what's called an involved parent. Now, you may think, what? Well, everyone wants to be an involved parent. But we're talking like go to every soccer game, every PTA meeting, to cover every event in their child's life to be involved. Now, start thinking about this. There there a large percentage of mothers are single mothers, and a large percentage of those are working outside the home, struggling to make finances come together, And at the same time, feeling like they have to be involved in their children's lives. At the same time, the second, these are the two top pressures that mothers feel. Being involved in their kids' lives and remaining physically attractive. It is a challenge. And at the same time, many times what people tell them is that God won't give you more than you can handle. When you're drowning, when you feel like if somebody would just give me a life preserver, the best word someone will say is you know, the weights that you feel that are sinking you, God won't give you more than you can handle. This is a series on fake news. This is a series of things that sometimes Christians believe that actually aren't in the Bible and we come to the end of this series with this, what I would consider an untruth that God won't give you more than you can handle, but at times God does give you more than you can handle. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought God was taking care of me. Well, he is, but not in the ways that you think he is. I'm figuring that if someone like the Apostle Paul can have a part of life where he says God gave me more than I can handle, then there's a good chance we too may be walking in that circumstance. And hence we're in 2 Corinthians. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10 before, and then I want to go back and look at verses 3 through 5 that I'm going to take apart. Okay, so here's verses 8 through 10. I'm kind of working a little bit backwards, except I jumped ahead. Can you go back one slide for me? Thanks. Uh, He says this, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Here's what I want you to underline. Far beyond our ability to endure. Paul is undergoing things that that are far beyond his ability to endure. God has given him more than he can handle. And he says, so that we despaired of life itself. Listen, I I could talk about depression. I could talk about the feeling like I just want to die. I'm drowning here. You are not unique. You're not alone. Paul felt that. He said, we felt we had received the sentence of death. And he goes on then and says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Here's what I want you to see this morning. God will, this is the, I'm moving ahead. I'm giving you the bottom line so that I can then go back and look at it point by point. God will give you more than you can handle. But he won't give you more than he can handle. But sometimes God will take you to the end of your natural rope so that you'll let go of that rope and hold on to him. Paul says that he despaired of even life itself. It was far beyond his ability to endure. But it happened, why? So that he wouldn't rely on himself, but that he would rely on God. The world, people, sometimes even the church will say to you, you just need to buck up. Do more yourself. Suck it up. Just try harder. And I, would, I the message of Mother's Day today to you moms who are really struggling and the challenges is, you can't do this yourself. As a matter of fact, I would continue. you were never intended to do this yourself. You were intended to do this by the power of God who indwells you, by his presence and his power. So if you get to the end of your natural rope and you're like, I can't endure this, I can't take it, I can't do it anymore. Praise God, he's right where you want. he wants you. So you can let go of doing it yourself and say, God, help me. Let's look at the back in verses three through five. Paul gives a premise to this before he gets to this, but I wanted to give you the kind of setup of, he's telling this church in Corinth, life has been hard. And he says, basically, I don't want you to be ignorant of these truths, that we're all undergoing trials. Now, from a theological standpoint, let me just sidetrack one second. Basically, the church in Corinth was saying, if you were really an apostle, you wouldn't be having these trouble. You know, apostle. if you were a real apostle, you wouldn't be undergoing this difficulty. And Paul is saying, not only am I an apostle, but what proves my apostleship are the things I'm undergoing these difficulties, these challenges. I, I don't want to go all the way back to the first two sermons about suffering and prosperity, but the people that say to you, if you were a good Christian, you wouldn't be undergoing these problems. I, I don't know how to say it nicely, but they're full of it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Jesus says in this world, you will have, it's thank, it's you. It's thank you, trouble. You're going to have problems. You're going to you're gonna have difficulties, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That's what Paul is saying here. Take heart. God is with you. So here's the points. First, don't be shocked by failure. Don't be shocked by failure, trouble, suffering. I had a lot of different words I kept filling in this blank with, but they're all there in that same boat. You know, we, we feel guilty when we fail. We feel like we failed. And no one wants to feel like they failed. They don't want to feel like a failure. They don't want to have trouble. They don't want to have suffering. I mean, I don't. I don't know if you do or not. I doubt it. If there, you do, there's, I think there's something wrong with you. If you're looking for that, but we have it. So don't be shocked by it. Here's what Paul says in verses uh, three through five. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. We're going to have troubles right here in River City just thought I'd throw that in for Nate since he was here. We love musicals. Anyway, we've got troubles. We've got problems. We've got difficulties in life. Don't be surprised when they come your way, when you have challenges. Paul Paul is saying here in verses 3 through 5, God is the God of all comfort. Don't be surprised when you have troubles. They're going to abound. They're going to be all around you. So don't be shocked by them. And he goes on again in the verses 8 through 10 that we've already read to say God has a purpose in it so that we depend on him. In another translation, oh, can you go back? I'm sorry, I'm just so excited up here. He said, for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, this is Barnett's translation, just as the sufferings of Christ, what they overflow to us, it's like they abound to us, So also through Christ, our comforting overflows. We have problems and we're gonna have failures. We're gonna have troubles. We're gonna have suffering. Now, again, for those of you who are a little more theologically minded, a lot of what Paul's talking about is suffering that comes as a result of being a follower of Jesus Christ. There is that element of saying, look, the suffering that I'm enduring is because I'm following Jesus. But at the same time, I think he's more generally saying, don't be surprised by troubles or sufferings or failures. They're going to, it's part of living in the sinful, fallen world that we indwell. I mean, the list is long of people who are total failures early in life. I and mean, you've heard some of these stories before, just going through them. I mean, Albert Einstein didn't speak till after he was four years old. I mean, nothing Isaac Newton, during elementary school, primary grades, was told his parents were told that he would never amount to anything academically, that he was so slow and so far behind. I think he did okay. <laughs> Beethoven, uh, one of the greatest composers of all times, by a teacher, a music teacher of his, in when he was a teenager, was told that his compositions would never be heard by the world. Again, I think he did okay. Walt Disney was told um, in his first job that he was totally uncreative. He didn't have a creative enough mind to do what was necessary. Michael Jordan, as you know, many of you know, he was cut from his ninth grade basketball team because he wasn't good enough. I mean, we experience failure over and over and over again, and sometimes for people, failure is fatal. They don't recover from failure. For other people, It drives them forward. I think what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth is, look, don't let failure define who you are. Instead, instead, be defined by whose you are. God's comfort in all its forms will come your way. If you're a child of God, even in the middle of failure, you can receive the comfort. You can receive the presence. You can receive The power of God. He goes on and says, praise. I'm just rereading these verses, highlighting some things. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. To me, he's talking about a variety of ways that God will reach out and touch your life if you'll allow him to. Receive However, God, how does God want to comfort you? How does God want to extend his compassion toward you? Well, I think it's as unique as you are. It's as unique as you'll listen to him. Now, for some people, instead of receiving the comforts of God, they would rather revel in their own failures. Their failures come to define them. Their failures, their troubles, their suffering... Are the thing they want to share with people. Oh, you know, things are just horrible. Things are, you know, it's not that things... Listen, I understand if things are horrible, tell someone. Have them pray for you. Work through it. But if a year from now you're telling me the same suffering, trouble, problem that you had a year ago and you didn't receive, receive the comfort of God in your life. Let it... Don't be defined by that. Be defined by Him and his power. And that's what Paul, I think, is trying to say to the church in Corinth. Look, yeah, I'm undergoing say, I've been through some bad times. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to be ignorant about it. I, I, I wish I was dead. But this occurred so that God could show me the greatness of his glory and how he could deliver me through this. Look at the points he says here, just in the same. He says that God is the father of compassion Where does compassion come from? Well, according to the way Paul's wording it here, compassion comes from God. So he is the creator of compassion. He's the one who who gives us this this ideal that there is sympathy toward others combined with a willingness to help them. Compassion isn't just about empathy. It's about an engagement of yourself. Think about this. If God is the father of compassion, meaning that he not only cares about us, but he's willing to engage with us, then he is not an absentee God. He's not a God who's just sitting on the sidelines. He's a God who cares about what you're going through and is willing to engage with you in the process. Because should be exciting to you. The creator of the universe, the father of compassion cares about you. And is willing to engage with you. He's so willing to engage with you that he sent his own son to die on your behalf. That's how willing he is to get involved with you. He's not only the father of compassion. um, Again, let me read this psalm. It's a great one. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. I I love this psalm again. I I don't want to pause here too long, but what God is big at is compassion and graciousness and love and faithfulness. Those are the characteristics of our God. He's big in these and he's slow to anger. Now, I think many people look at God as big on anger. If you do things right, maybe I'll give you some compassion and love and other good qualities, but it's just the reverse. This is who he is. Goes on, Paul says, back in verse three and four, he's the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. I, let me see if I can say this correctly. Many times we think of God and then the characteristics that emanate from God. These qualities that come from him like, here's God and he gives us comfort. Here's God and he gives us love. Here's God and he, whatever. But the way Paul's wording it is that God is comfort. That's who he is. It's not like he just is this creator who then reaches out with a character quality of comfort. God is love. God is comfort. That's, so when we come to him, that's what we receive. When I'm at the end of my natural rope and I come to God, what I receive is love and comfort. And I want to receive however God wants to instill me with that. And the best way to do it is by receiving him. Because now he's inside of me and I believe He's moving out from me to to give me comfort and compassion and all the things that I need. Because even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. God, the God of all comfort, the God who is comfort, just being with me. He's guarding me, guiding me. I don't have to fear when I'm in that place of evil. Also, you can confidently share God's comfort with others. So, God is the God of all comfort. I want to receive, don't be surprised when you fail, have troubles, have suffering. Instead, Turn to Him, the God of all comfort, receive the comfort that He has for you, and then you get to share it with others. And that's what Paul says in this verse, in verse four. Again, I'm just verses two through four, three through four, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. What a great joy. Now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute. I'm, I'm in trouble myself. You know, I, I need comfort. And what God would say to you, in the middle of needing comfort, you can still comfort others. Because you've got his presence in you. You've got his power in you. You, you can move in the lives of others. If you're waiting to get happy, healthy, whole before you help someone else, ain't nobody helping no one. I mean, just look around and... I don't know who you might say is the healthiest person here. Please, it ain't me. But they've got problems. They've got troubles. They've got failures. Everyone here does. Somewhere in their life. And instead of saying, I got to be perfect in order to reach out with the comfort of God, just start reaching out. And you'll be amazed how comfort, how Strengthening one another works within the body of Christ. A lot of imperfect people reaching out, and how that comfort crosses over. Matthew Trevithick, I think I'm saying that name right. He was a, um, a student and was studying um, was studying in Iran in Tehran. Um, he was studying and something went south with the nuclear agreement. Remember back at the end of 2015-16? We we could talk about the causes of it, but he was just studying languages. And the next thing he knows, he gets arrested and put into this notorious prison in Tehran. Uh, And he he can't talk to anybody. He's He's in isolation. He's, he's imprisoned for over 40 days. 30-something days of it are in solitary confinement. He can't talk to U.S. Embassy. It's just a retaliation against all the political stuff that's going on. After 41 days, he is, he's, he's released. And somebody said to him, 41 days may not seem that long, but when you're like going from, to, you know, a prison in Iran where you don't know and they're interrogating you day and night and trying to get you to confess and you are not even know what you're supposed to confess to. You know, they're just saying, tell us the truth. And they're doing different things to him. To He said that on the bathroom walls in this isolation where he was, he found phrases like this. You can get through this. Scribbled on the wall. And hope exists even in the darkest places. And nobody stays here forever. Somebody before him had scribbled words of hope on the wall. And the words that were scribbled on the wall helped him endure and get him through. You have the ability to share God's comfort with others because you have received comfort in your time of need. And even if you're not fully through on the other side, you can still touch their lives with the power of God. D.L. Moody said this, I've never known God to use a discouraged person. You might think, well, I'm kind of discouraged. How's he going to use me? I think what Moody is saying is this, receive the comfort of God. In other words, you have... Troubles and suffering and failures don't define you. Instead, if you're defined by the power and presence and your identity in God, you're not discouraged. You're encouraged because me for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I have the power of God indwelling me. Moms, do some of you need this today? As you look around at the kids that you've got, one of my favorite stories, and I never tell this very well, but I love this story. And so I'm going to tell it again. maybe it'll be funnier this time. My friend Kenny Thacker, he went to visit a guy, and his wife, and they were living in very, very impoverished situation, and they had a bunch of kids running around the yard and screaming and yelling and and Kenny was trying to encourage this father and say, "Look, your kids can do anything. They can be teachers, or they can be." Um, doctors or they could be lawyers or they could be they could even be the president of the United States and the guy looked at Kenny and he said pastor have you seen these kids and I mean that's just most parents are very optimistic about their children this guy was like I would contend that a discouraged person a person who views their Situation in a way that's totally negative. God, it's harder, it's harder for God to use him. Instead, be encouraged in faith. Follow after him. Because just as the sufferings of Christ. Overflow to us. So also through Christ. Our comforting overflows. Hey people. How's that overflowing comforting coming? How is that? You know, do you feel like you're a pipeline, a conduit of the comfort of God? In God's economy, the more you receive of his comfort, rather than complaining about his sufferings, the more we receive, the more we get to give away. It flows through us. And again, remember, Paul had a lot to complain about, and he does it on a couple of occasions, list his difficulties where he says, look, I was, I was lashed. I was beaten 40 times minus one. I was dragged outside of the city, city and they tried to kill me by throwing rocks at me. I was in trouble in the city. I was imprisoned. I was in trouble in the country. I was in trouble in the sea. I was in trouble when I... And what happened? Every time I received the comfort of God. I received the presence of God. Now, because I've received God's comforts, I can let his comfort flow through me to touch other people's lives. At the end of Corinthians, Paul comes back to this idea, 2 Corinthians. When Paul is undergoing a thorn or something he wants taken from him, and God says, No. But he does say to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am confident with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Lucy said this this morning in her prayer, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You might say, sometimes we underline this and say, for when I'm weak then I'm strong, that will not make no sense. What he's saying is, look, in my weakness, God's power is perfected. So yeah, when I'm weak, I get to be strong because it's his power at work within me. On this Mother's Day, what I would love for moms to hear and everyone as well is this. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have failures. You're going to suffer. Receive the comfort of God. Don't define yourself by those things, but instead define yourself by whose you are in him and receive the comfort of God and then let it flow through you to touch the world around you. Touch people around you. Help others. Because you never know when and how it's going to affect your life. I've talked many times um, about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's just amazing to me. His writings, his his life. And as you know, he was imprisoned in 1943, um, not just because he was a pastor, but because he was st- trying to make a stand against Nazism. He was imprisoned in, in 1943. Uh, he eventually is executed in um, early 1945, like a week before the war ends. He's executed. He had a fiance when he went into prison, Maria von Wedemeyer. And she received letters from him while he was in prison. And one of the most famous letters that she received was on New Year's that he wrote on New Year's Day, 1945. This is the year he's going to die. He's going to die just a couple of months afterwards. And really, this is probably the most famous line from that entire book. And it says this, Should it be ours to drain the cup of grieving even to the dregs of pain. At thy command, we will not falter, thankfully receiving all that is given by thy loving hand. Taking apart the poetry without going too in depth, he he says, I know God still loves me. Even if I have to receive this junk, this pain, this suffering, this indignity, I, I, I know that God loves me. Maria von Wedemeyer, along with some others, posted these letters from prison, which became one of Bonhoeffer's most famous, famous books. She never got to see him again um, because he, he was executed. And Fast forward about 18 years, another fiance. Her husband is killed, her fiance is killed in a sledding accident. You can imagine the horror of being engaged and having your fiancé pass away. And she was very close to the young man's parents who were suffering greatly in the death of their son. And she sent the parents this poem. She sent this to them. And the dad's name was a man by the name of Joseph Bailey. Joseph Bailey, the father of the young man who was killed, was a pretty well-known author in the early 60s. And as a result of the poem, he wrote a book entitled Heaven, in which he had these imaginary conversations with God about what heaven was like and why death occurred. And because of the the poem by Bonhoeffer, published by his ex-fiance, he was encouraged and wrote this book that then impacted many others. 12 years after the publication of this book, his pastor comes to him, calls him and says, hey, I want you to know I gave your book Heaven to this woman who was dying in a hospital the other day. And she read her book over, your book overnight and it brought her great comfort and she died the next day. And the woman who died the next day who read his book was Maria von Betemeier. So it's, it's this idea that at different times we all need comfort and when we receive comfort and then step out in comfort, you never know how it's going to, it's part of the economy of God. Here's the thing I know, if you try to suffer or if you try to work through your failures in isolation by yourself, you're going to be, it's going to be challenging It's going to be difficult because, see, the Christian life, it's about me and God, but it's not just about me and God. It's about me and God and you and us struggling forward together so that we can receive the comfort that God has for us in all its forms. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from him. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that we will receive comfort in all its forms. That your hand would be upon us. Lord, I know that right now there are people in this place, in these seats, who have come this morning who are undergoing incredible pain from failing, from failures done against them, from just the challenges of life they're suffering. Some are suffering strictly for the gospel's sake, others are suffering as a result of their sin or other sin or the sin of the world around. Lord, We all, we we have trouble, and I pray that this morning our eyes would not be fixed on our sufferings, but on the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our sufferings. Lord, I pray that we will be so connected with one another, the people around us, that we will receive comfort in all its forms, including people, and especially people that want to love us and help us. And direct our lives. So Lord may that occur today. Lord I pray especially for the mothers. Who are here this morning. Who are feeling like failures. As moms and as wives even. And just the challenges. I pray for those who are single moms. Particularly this morning. That are, that are really. Undergoing challenges financially. And raising children. And looking to like. What do I do? Lord may we. As the body of Christ help and encourage and thank you, Lord, to your Father, to the fatherless. And Lord, I pray that all the comfort of God would flow to us and through us. Lord, I pray for every single person here today. That though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear. Because you're with us. And your rod and your staff. They comfort us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you have given me more than I can handle. And so, Lord, forgive me where I've tried to, on my own, handle it. And instead, Lord, I pray that I will reach out and embrace not only you but Comfort and power, deliverance and direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Scott, come.